0: podcast Star Trek Age of Discovery. I'm Adele Austin Anderson
1: and I'm Gary Anderson
0: and we're a married couple who are longtime fans of Star Trek. Today we will provide comments on episode 13 What's Past is Prologue written by co-executive producer Ted Sullivan. Now here's the main plot. Lorca frees his rebel mutineers who have in one year and 212 days of torture in agonizer chambers on the emperor's ship, the Charon. With Mirror Landry by his side, he finds Mirror Stamets hiding in his lab and compels him to flood most of the ship with a biochemical agent, killing most of the emperor's loyalists. Burnham escapes the emperor and manages to inform the discovery of Lorca's true identity as a Terran mutineer. cerule so convinces Michael of the catastrophic danger posed by the infection Stamus has inflicted on the mycelial network through an orb which functions as a supercharged energy source for the Emperor's ship. Despite the peril, Discovery must go to the Emperor's ship and destroy the mycelial orb. With Lorca now in command of the Emperor's ship, Burnham and Mira Giorgio team up to gain access to the throne room where Lorca is relishing his ascendancy. Burnham feigns capitulation to Lorca's offer to rule the Terran Empire by his side. However, with the Discovery's help, Giorgio and Burnham crush Lorca's forces. Giorgio impales Lorca with her sword and pushes him into the mycelial orb, which is subsequently destroyed by the Discovery. Burnham takes an unwilling Giorgio to the Discovery, where Stamus is hooked up to the spore drive in an attempt to get back to their universe. Stamets secedes, but they are now nine months into the future from the point where they left their universe. They learn in their absence, the Klingons have won the war. Now, Gary, I thought this was quite an episode. Um, in fact, both of us watched it multiple times before being able to, to prepare for this review. Yeah. So let's first look at the title, What's Past is Prologue.
1: Okay. Once again, the writers take a take a cue from Shakespeare. This time it's Ted Sullivan. Um, this title actually comes from a line in the Tempest, uh, Shakespeare's last play, or last play he wrote, and um, it's delivered by Antonio to Sebastian. Um, the The line refers to the opportunity that comes out of unforeseen circumstances it's actually said by a man who has usurped his title from overthrowing his brother and it's said to um, sebastian who is the brother of the king of naples and so they're plotting the killing the king the current king of naples so it has a resonance to this to the episode of what we're talking about when we see how lorca is trying to overthrow Giorgio but it also has a reference to Michael in regards to how unforeseen opportunities provide them with a chance of redoing things. And and that's gonna play into how Michael perceives her opportunity in this situation to kind of redeem herself by attempting to save Mirror Georgia.
0: Yeah, so let's uh, now look a little closer at Gabriel Lorca and his motivations. So Lorca, you know, like Antonio um, and Sebastian in The Tempest, uh, they believe in destiny. Right. So under this reasoning... Um, uh, for Lorca, it was not by chance a transporter malfunction brought him to the Prime Universe. There, um, in the Prime Universe, he's escaping death because remember, as he explained it, uh, he's
1: being shot at by be- the the ch- by uh, Georgia's ship,
0: right? And know. and that ship is destroyed. It's destroyed. And if he had, if it hadn't been for that transporter malfunction, right. he would have been killed right then.
1: And exactly the same thing happens to him that occurs in the original series, episode Mirror, Mirror. He's transporting from the Chiron over to his ship, the Buran, and they're going through an ion storm. And so that's what causes him to be placed in the Prime Universe.
0: That's right. So... So, you know, when he's in the Prime Universe, when, when Lorca's in the Prime Universe, it also gives him time to devise a plan to overthrow the Emperor and the relative safety of the Prime Universe. So again, you know, getting that cue from how long his mutineers were in captivity right. um, on the Emperor ship in the Mirror Universe, mm-hmm. we know then that he's been in the Prime Universe uh, for, for, almost for almost two years. Yeah, right. So, I mean, some substantial time, at least a year before the war even starts. Right. So, he has a lot of time to, you know, to know how he should behave and what uh, the Federation is all about and how he can kind of use it uh, to, you know, uh, to plan his way back to the Mirror Universe. So, um, uh, so, Lorca, you find out in this episode, was once a loyalist to Giorgio, uh, but he came to believe that Giorgio was unfit for her position. In one scene, he makes his contentions known by broadcasting his claims throughout the ship. He argues that the Empire is dying under Giorgio's control because she has allowed alien races to spill over our borders and flourish in our backyard. He maintains the Federation's social experiment was doomed for failure. He calls it childless idealism. He says every species, every choice, every opinion is not equal. Every um, living being is safer and happier knowing their place. The strong and the capable will always rise. You can only bring peace through strength and order.
1: And in this case, you can hear how Ted Sullivan is using this script to make some very not so subtle comments on the cont- uh, the contemporary debate about democracy and diversity and inclusion that we're dealing with. That's these right. Are, these are you know current topics. Um, we see how you you look at how the American system has definitely has parallels to what's currently going on in the show in regards to a sense of xenophobia overcoming right. people and fearing of of too much um, too many people coming in and the borders and being able to attack and change the culture and also you see a sense of, of of an impression about people's not every opinion is is should be taken seriously that there are ideas that maybe have allowed to begin to be established that need to be removed so that we can make America great again
0: right right that only there's this elite group, right. and it's not really right. you know this base that they always talk about. Right. There's this elite group of, of wealthy, mm-hmm. uh, the powerful, who they're the ones that matter. They're the ones who get, should get the biggest tax breaks, for instance, right. and and we should um, um, have policies which greatly benefit
1: them. And I think that you can see how now this show, as long as along in a in a long tradition. Of Star Trek shows making using themselves as allegory towards the current circumstances or the or the challenges of humanity at the time that the episode came out.
0: Right, it's a platform for those views, those types of blues uh, views. So, um, so let's get back to talking about the um, this episode. And also talking about Lorca. And so another thing that Lorca sees as providence or his destiny is the fact that he, he comes in context with the prime version of Michael, right. who, you know, we find out he believes is superior to the Tyrion version. Now, he definitely had loved the mirror, Michael. And in fact... Um, if you had any doubts there was any sort of sexual relationship with her, uh, that's put to rest when he mentions their pillow talk to Giorgio. And um, Lorca felt that in time, Prime Michael would embrace the Terran philosophy and return his amorous feelings. Yeah,
1: he, he does that in part to get underneath her skin. I mean, you can see... What, Giorgio's skin? Yeah, Giorgio's skin. Yeah, you definitely see how... Lorca utilizes certain bits of information to manipulate and to uh, force people to behave against their own better judgment.
0: Definitely. And so um, initially, it does appear that Lorca will realize his ambition. You know, they had that scene where he's sitting on uh, Giorgio's throne and he's wielding her sword. Um, And actually, he could have had it all. If, ironically, it were not for, you know, this love, this passion he feels for Burnham, which clouded his judgment and led to his downfall. Throughout the episode, he commands his followers, as he did on the, um, on the
1: Discovery. On the discovery. The he was day.
0: always worried about her safety. Well, right. here on the Sharon you know, he's telling his followers, don't hurt her, don't hurt her. And even during the final fight scene, he seeks to protect her. Uh, and even fights her with restraining measures to mitigate the risk of killing her. Right, right. So, um, Gary, now let's look. Um, take a look at the emperor and see, you know, how her actions contrast that of Lorca.
1: Okay. Well, you can you can definitely see from the beginning of of this this whole story arc when we see. Um, Mira Giorgio is the emperor of the Terran Empire. That there is an affinity, a connection between her and this Michael Burnham. And she, it's very clear they have a history. So in the previous episode, we find out that she realized that her Burnham betrayed her. Yep. That um, she was brokenhearted by it. And oh, feel, yeah. And feels great. Fear. And, and in fact, um, but you also find out in this episode that she has retained her pen, just as Michael Burnham from the prime universe has the delta that was her captain Philippa Giorgio, this Philippa Giorgio mm-hmm. has her Michael Burnham's pen right and and she holds on to that, and then she she actually shows it to her at one point mm-hmm. um you also see that she has this very strong objective. she intends on killing Lorca. there's like no doubt about that
0: that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And so th- that's one of the reasons why she actually decides she's going to team up with, right. uh, she with, with Michael.
1: Cause at first she wants to put her in, the, she wants to put her in, in a brig. brig and Michael's able to escape. But later on, after she's, her forces have been defeated and she's had to use her emergency beam. Right. <laughs> uh, transporter, uh, trans, transporter authority where she gets herself out of a, a jam. Um, chief michael finds her alone in her private area right. which it just seems as if michael has a sense that where that's where she would be exactly and they have a very, they have a very serious conversation that is um talking about their affections for their their counterparts you know in their relationship you also get a sense that um over the course of the story even after they've Thwarted Lorca from being able to um, take the throne himself. Giorgio makes a statement. She says that she she realizes that she's a defeated emperor. That's and right. That she prepares to give Michael time to get back to her ship, to get back to Discovery, sacrificing herself and going at these forces that are still. Trying to attack and take 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 her throne from her.
0: Yeah, in fact, um, you know, in a beautifully written line, oh, she yeah. says, um, "Giorgio says they've seen my neck." Right. You know, which really shows the vulnerability right. that she now faces. That she knows she's not going to last long. Right. And so, so she has no, you know, illusion about, oh, I can still be emperor. Right. You know, she knows, you know, as, as Gary said, you know, she, she knows that she's defeated. And uh, even though she's defeated Lorca.
1: You know, in a lot of ways, the way that this, the, the episode's working in this context for her character is similar to a Gunfighter. In a, a western, mm-hmm. you know, the the idea is that if a gun, if the 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 gunfight was easy, easily taking out every competitor came up to them, their sense of ominous and 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 invulnerability is displayed. But at any point in time, in any one of those battles, if they were shot, and maybe an, even uh, mortally damaged, but th- they. We able to overcome over time that 's when you start seeing a chink in the armor and that's what mm-hmm. she's talking about she's res- displayed a chink in the armor that she knows that in this environment in the Terran universe that's just not that's not not something you can, uh, that's you, right. can you can sustain that's right that makes you uh, a, a person with a target on your back constantly
0: that's right oh that's pretty good so let's um now um uh, you know, I guess even before we move on, Gary, I really want to give Michelle, you uh, credit for really an outstanding oh, oh, yeah. performance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we heard on another on somebody else's review where they said, oh, she's one dimensional. And we're and, you know, and we're, we're, we're saying to ourselves, what are they talking about? Oh, yeah. You know, she really um, gives really a complex, you know, convincing performance here. Um, I was particularly touched by the sense of pride she portrayed uh, within Giorgio after defeating Lorca and his forces. She has this smile, and she tells Michael, you fought well for a moment. I thought I had her. She's talking about her daughter. Uh, She said, I thought I had her back with me. Although it will mean certain death, Giorgio tells Michael she will buy her t- time, just like you said, and allow her to return to discovery. Uh, so I just really felt for her during that scene. But um, I think we should now turn to Michael Burnham um, and talk about you know, her motivations through all of this. So in an earlier scene, Michael tells the Emperor that her Federation counterpart... Um, she's talking about Giorgio uh, in the Prime Universe, had taught her that we are responsible for forging our own destiny. Right. She argues uh, this in contrast to Lorca's belief in Providence. However, Michael is taking advantage of a situation to find redemption and a series of, e- of events which ultimately led to the death of her mentor in the Prime Universe. Similar to the way Lorca wants to force Michael to remain with him in the Terran universe, Michael chooses to take Giorgio to the prime universe against her will. You know, this is not something... You know, you know, um, the mirror, Giorgio is not asking to be no, saved not, at, no, all. at all. She, in fact, she says, I want to die on my feet, right. you know, the way somebody of her station would do. You right, know, she wants right. to go out, you know, as this brave, right. you know, resourceful you know, um, warrior. So, um, so again, Michael chooses to take her against her will. Michael's makes this choice to satisfy her own needs. Right. That is to rectify what happened on the Klingon ship, the sarcophagus or the ship of the dead, where Michael witnessed Giorgio's death at the hands of Takuma. This time, she will save Giorgio, as she pledged to do in, a, in earlier in the episode. She says, I'm going to keep you safe, you know. and But despite Michael's, some might say, good intentions, she certainly felt they were good intentions. Her choice is as morally indefensible as Lorca's.
1: Yeah, I mean, her action is selfish. I mean, I yes. understand that she says she's motivated by a sense of desire to save this woman. But it is really Burnham's desire to fix something that she knows she can't go back and fix right. in her own life. Right. She she's been carrying that sense of guilt, that sense of 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 failure throughout the entire show about what she did and how how she failed. Philippa Captain Philippa Georgiou, um during the the two part uh, pilot and she has been remorseful about that ever since and in fact the story has been her coming to accept herself and see that she has gifts and abilities that are, have some benefit since then that's right because she, in large part the 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 mindset she has when she's sitting in that shuttle and they realize that they're going to die that's right and she does nothing is what she's been fighting against all along because she feels that that's that's due her by what she has. She she allowed Giorgio to die. Um, So that when we get to this point, she's just doing it out of a desire to not to see that happen again for her needs, not necessarily for Giorgio's needs.
0: Oh, it's not Giorgio's needs at At, all. Because again, Giorgio told her how she wanted to die. And, right, and still, right. she takes it upon herself to to save her when Giorgio doesn't want to be saved.
1: And and the other thing is that Georgia is going to have that Georgia is going to have a difficult time in the Prime Universe. Mm-hmm. We we have no knowledge of any Terran um, person coming over across before you know uh, ever ever and surviving right? and surviving. Mm-hmm. So we have no knowledge of that. So. They're now going to have to deal with that in the next couple of episodes, at the same time also dealing with all the other things that we know don't exist in 10 years' time when the original series' timeline is supposed to occur.
0: So um, that's true. So we're going to hold that for a minute and we're going to move on to talking about Saru, who once again... Um, we really want to comment on Saru's yep. transformation into a Federation officer worthy of a Starfleet's captain's chair. Yeah,
1: he's had, he's had a tremendous arc. He's been out of the loop in large part of this latter part of, of the season, but he's starting to come back in in, in a significant way. And I think that t- this episode gave him an opportunity to really showcase what he has acquired. Over the course of this season,
0: right? We've seen hints of it during these
1: episodes. Yes, we have.
0: But now he's taking—he's—he's he's more in the forefront. Mm-hmm. So before taking the ship um, in this episode into a critical situation with a low chance of success, in the in the tradition of Star Trek captains before him, he gets the crew to focus on the possibilities instead of the improbabilities. Right. He argues. Lorca abused our I- idealism. Discovery is no longer Lorca, but ours. So he gets them to take ownership, you know, and and like, um, as uh, Michael said, you know, they're taking charge of their own destiny.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. They, it, and you also see how different he is, because I went back and watched Choose Your Pain when he takes command of the Discovery at that point. And the level of confidence and assurance you know the sense of surety that he has, plus how he also displays that to the crew pe- members, is completely different than where he is, um, in that in Choose Your Pain.
0: Right, he's indecisive. He right. he doesn't. In that episode, he asked the computer to tell him what are the. Qualities of a right. star uh, 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 fleet captain of the great star fleet captains. Mm-hmm. So, so he's really trying to learn, but he's really uncertain. But here, I mean, it's a complete, you know, one eighty.
1: You know, and he takes an opportunity to try to bolster the confidence of the crew that he realizes that that is part of his responsibility as a good leader, and so he does for himself what. He, find, well, he does for them what he found incapable of doing for himself.
0: Yeah, in one earlier. scene, he tells them that his ganglia mm-hmm. are not reacting to the apparent danger. And, uh, and, and so he does that uh, to instill in them the courage and confidence needed for them to look for right. options for survival. Right. Um, now, you know, in our view... His ganglia appear unresponsive, but that's because he's really discovered his true identity, you know, his true nature as a poised, positive, and commanding leader.
1: You know. Something that would not have definitely been cultivated in his species.
0: Definitely. Uh, We also want to take time to talk about the fight scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos to the director and fight uh, choreographer for two superb fight scenes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Both the. Palace attack with Lorca's forces against Georgios in the uh, hallway were, was really good. It got to, You got to sh- see exactly the level of, of ferocity that, that was coming, um, how they had set themselves up so that um, you could definitely uh, indicate just how serious this whole was and what was at stake. The beauty of the Terran Empire is that they really don't care about life, and no. so and so they're f- they, as opposed to in the Prime Universe when a phaser or blaster or, or blaster has a stun and a kill s- setting. In the Terran Universe, it's pretty evident that they have two settings too. They have kill and disintegrate.
0: Right, 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 right. <laughs> because that's we see, it. We see that's both it.
1: of those things occur. We see people who are completely disintegrated, right. as well as we see people we see people who have a hole burnt through them so right. those are the options it's those not- are
0: the options right it's, it's, right. it's how you die right. it's not
1: it's not, it's not yes. whether you die it's how you die that's right
0: and then the other of course fight scene takes place in the throne room this is one of the final scenes of the episodes and that I mean we must have both um, watched those scenes you know three or yeah, four times yeah. I mean that scene is incredible yeah I mean
1: when you think back on to the original series and the number of fights that occurred oh you know, yeah. that you know they're so they are staged and some of them are not really that great. I mean, no, they're
0: not convincing, and they and they use a lot of stunt yeah. uh, men. You know, and most for the most part, men, and they do look. They look nothing yeah. like you, the person they're portrayed. You can always
1: tell when Shatner was pulled out of the scene and his stunt double was put into. Right. It. But what I found very interesting in this episode is that, from what I can tell, at least how the editing showed it. Um, Jason Isaacs did a lot of his own stunts. So did um so did Martin Green. Right. And I think for the most part, I think I think there are definitely some times when a when a stunt double is in place for Michelle Yeoh. but she did a lot of her work as well. Oh yeah. I, there were very few times when you could maybe question whether that was her or a, or a stunt double because the shot was from the back so you didn't see her face that's right but the, you saw the, you you saw the wig that they had on that was comparable to what she wore but even when the camera is in front and you could see Michelle she really mastered a lot of those hand the hand the hand combat as well as a number of the kicks which is her which is something she's known right. for from the uh, from her films yes from the chinese uh, kung fu movies that she's
0: done right so martial arts movies yeah so um, let's now um, go to the final scene in the trailer what we saw the trailer uh, to talk about you know questions that you know that that was evoked by seeing these things so uh, we see that Sarek and Admiral Cornwall as well as Andorians and Telerites, are shown beaming over onto the bridge of the Discovery and their weapons are drawn and so this makes us to this makes us suspect their discovery mirror counterparts, that is the IS S Discovery, uh, must have been a disruptive force in the Prime Universe. There's a
1: possibility of that, because they come with guns blazing. Yeah, yeah. But they're still looking for Lorca, so, you know... Well, they're they're still
0: looking for Lorca, but at the same time, you know, you don't come onto the bridge, and and then um, we see that they ask for Sarek to do a mind meld with Saru. Saru. So... Um, so these are just a few of the questions we have. Um, so what was the experience of the ISS discovery in this in the prime universe? Did the actions of the mirror discovery hasten the Klingon victory in the war? Um, is Giorgio really saved by Michael? Um, that is, can she survive under Federation control, which is sharply at, at odds with her own philosophies of supremacy and authoritarian governance. Also, um, as Gary mentioned before, you know, we've never heard, you know, in, um, in, in Star Trek um, lore. lore of a Terran surviving in the Prime right. Universe. So right. uh, we, we wonder how that's going to be resolved. And also, what is the fate of Prime Lorca? So, before we say goodbye, uh, we have some final thoughts. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, basically, I mean, as much as we enjoyed this episode, you have to admit that there's a great deal of implausibilities that play into how this whole thing works out. Mm-hmm. When we find out at the beginning of the episode that it's been a year and 212 days since his forces were captured and put in ag- agonizer chambers to, for punishment. Okay, number one. So that means that Lorca has been in the Prime Universe for almost two years. Okay, so he's here. <laughs> right. And he figures out where he is and how things function. And he has to, to get back. Because his objective, his long game, is to get back and take the throne. Right. He has to... Survive the war, so no Klingon kills him. Even when he gets captured by them, that's right. He has to find Burnham because Burnham's part of his strategy. In the in the Prime Universe, he has to get onto the Discovery with the Spore Drive. At the point, it's he takes over command. It's not working effectively, so he has and he to... doesn't
0: even know what the Spore Drive can do
1: exactly. And he has to get it to work well. Right. He has to then. Do all get all of those things in place, and then do enough research that he knows how to get back. take all of that back, continue to convince everybody that he runs into that he is the prime version of himself and not some usurper that's come in from another universe. then get there then he has to, then he has to endure all of the challenges that he finds in the Terran universe being put in the agonizer booth.
0: Well, even even assuming that he was going to be put in the booth and not just out and out killed. Exactly,
1: exactly. And then once he's freed, as we saw in the previous episode, he has to get from his chambers where he was being tortured to the hangar where all of his people have been kept for almost two years and not get captured by any forces being seen because... Guess what? They actually know he's supposed to be in the brig. He's supposed right. to be agonized. Right. And he's supposed to get there without anybody picking him
0: up. Right. Nobody knows because right. it's a surprise to everybody that he's able to get to the hangar and free them. Right. And, and so so we, we, we even suspect that they must have the same security force that's... Um, that was hired by star Labs in the in the flash, in the flash. Yeah. because as you know anybody could just walk into star labs well obviously anybody could have walked into this hangar but,
1: but even more that so he he even after he releases all these people from their agonizing booths they've been Tortured nonstop for, for two years. For almost two and years. And so, what
0: shape could they be? And so, these in. are the forces yeah.
1: he's going to overthrow all of her fresh, well fed, yeah. you know, yeah. not taxed folks. That's right. And she is like, come on, man. You got to believe all of that. You got to believe all you of you that. You got to believe. I mean, it's a great episode. It was enjoyable. But there's just a whole lot of leaping over right. things and, and and, and, suspending this belief he had to do to buy into all of that. That's all I'm saying.
0: Right. Uh, but. Um, we're just saying that, uh, obviously the production staff and cast must be doing something right because we're thoroughly engaged, even despite all of this. Um, um, you know, I was telling Gary that I felt that the best line for me in the episode was, um, after they have... The uh, confrontation. This is Lorca's forces. After the Lorca's forces have had the confrontation with uh, George O's forces mm-hmm. in that hallway, right? And she she escapes. Yeah, she's able to escape. She's up. Uh, yeah, and uh, and uh, Lorca says to Stamus, "Why didn't you tell me that she had that capability?" Right. And Landry turns to Lorca in a deadpan and says. Please tell me we can kill him now. (laughs) I mean, that's a hilarious line. Um, We also felt that there was, for example, you know, a line that Michael says where we kind of went, okay. And that was she tells Lorca, this is in one of the final scenes, and she's got um, Lorca, you know, she's holding him with. Um, a one phaser. a phaser, and she says, "I'm not gonna kill you." And then she explains, "Oh, you should have just." told us that you know you wanted to get back and we would have helped you but she, but again she says I'm not gonna kill you and she knows full well the discovery's coming to actually blow up the Sharad right, I mean right, right. so he's not gonna survive anyways so why is she even saying I'm not gonna kill you well I'm not gonna kill you but my ship is gonna kill you and <laughs> so and, and and another thing is we said um you know i want to give the what's up with that award to um, the fact that when they beam giorgio when um uh, uh michael saves giorgio and they beam over to the discovery and giorgio still has that gun in her head right, right. and and as you know she's over there against her will and so why don't you immediately take that good you know the
1: the other thing that you also need to recognize about that every other time someone grabs someone during uh, they're being beamed out right when they materialize
0: they should be in that same position they're together right
1: this time they beam out together but they're separated yeah and you know Burnham's on one pad and Giorgio's on a completely different one. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Understand I didn't why
0: understand. Why that yeah. Why did they do that? Like, that what's was just that? Some, you know. I mean, they could have had like she moved away from her yeah, or something. Yeah. But what was that about? Yeah. So we, um, so we. A we're, lot. Of,
1: there was a lot of stuff in this episode where you had to. It's like the line out of Wizard of Oz. Um, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That's right, and it was pretty much that way.
0: It, it was pretty. So, so we just want to tell listeners: it's not like we have drank complete Kool Aid, and that we don't see some of the issues in the episodes. But we're just saying that um, we thoroughly enjoy Discovery, and you know, can't wait for yeah. the next episode. I mean, if, I
1: mean, if you look back at the original series, those three seasons are filled with. In some cases, episodes that are not as enjoyable as others. Oh yeah. Where some of the some of the writing is hamfisted, and the direction kind of goes over or the or the acting goes way over the top. But in the for the most part, the thing we found about this show is that they have attempted to take a different tack on the Star Trek series. Yes. Doing it serialized and looking at how. Behavior and character development occurs over the course of a season, where pretty much when you look at most of the other series, again with the exception of Deep Space Nine, right? Most of the characters don't really have dramatic sh- changes right. over the course of the series, so that you they who they are when you first meet them in the very first episode is pretty much who they are when the sh- when the season when that's, the series ends. That's so ends. true. Um, this case, we actually have seen these characters evolve. The way that the, 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 the crew of the Discovery performed in their attack on the, on the Chiron is evidence of uh, the development of a, themselves as a unit in a way that you would not have seen them the first time in Episode 3 That's right. when, we, when we are introduced to them they did not function as effectively. They didn't function as effectively then as they do now. That's right. And that's been a progress. Like we was talking about with Saru, the, all these things that have occurred, it's because it's been over the course of the season and characters have been allowed to evolve.
0: They evolve and it allows also the viewer to become engaged with those characters right, right. in a way that wouldn't have happened if... You know, um, they would have did used a different approach with this. If they had
1: done the more episodic approach that they that many of the other episodes did, where people pretty much stuck to who they what they were from the very first episode. Okay, so now it's your turn. Um, We're gonna please communicate with us via Twitter at with the at Star Trek AOD on Twitter at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Star Trek AOD and let us know. Here's a couple of questions for conversations between now and next next week. Who now is leading the Klingons? We know, For the most part, everybody that we knew of that was in charge over there is dead. So, right.
0: Takuba's dead. You know, Call, Call was dead. K- d- right, so right. who
1: is now in charge? What led to the federation's defeat at the war it's pretty clear that the the time between when the discovery beamed over into the mirror universe something happened so then what what caused their defeat um, will the spore drive continue to serve as a significant device for the for discovery and the federation's efforts to stave off Annihilation, or is it going to go away? We know that it doesn't exist right. in the timeline of the original series, so something's going to have to happen with it. Right,
0: that. if you look at Star Trek canon, right. there's no mention of a spore drive, right, 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 right. You know, that kind of system. So so how so how are they going to deal with right. it?
1: And then the final question is, will Discovery be able to utilize their data that they captured on the Klingon cloaking device to assist the Federation resistance efforts? That's information that they had right before they they did that jump. So that's information that they, they still should have and should be effective.
0: So there's so much to look forward to. That's right.
1: They got two episodes. They got a lot to wrap up. Right, right. And, and, and also set up for season two. For
0: season two. Right. So until then.
1: Live long and prosper.